First John chapter three and verse 10, the scripture says in this, the children of God are manifest and the children of the devil. That right there is a pretty amazing statement, isn't it? Children of God, children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. For this is the message that ye have heard from the, the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother. And wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil, and his brother's righteous. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you. We know that we have passed from death unto life, because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth." I want to talk to you this morning about loving the brethren, loving the brethren. The term brethren, scripturally, we, we sang it, brethren, we have met to worship. And we had some sistering in here too. All right, I got our brethren and our sisters. And, and we know scripturally that this term brother or brethren refers to uh, believers, those who are in Christ, those who have by faith placed their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for their soul salvation. And so this term, um, we understand that that... that uh, you have those who are in the world and those who are lost who do not know Christ, and they are in contrast to those who are the brethren. This morning, we're going to talk about loving other Christians. When we say to, to when we talk about loving other people or loving Christians, our world has really we, we've allowed them to influence our thinking as to what love is. Um, if you if you look at the way this world advertises and sells and portrays love. It is the furthest thing from scriptural love imaginable. Um, you know, you can't really go without watching a television show or a movie and some guy that met a girl, you know, after five minutes, you know, they're kissing and stuff. It's just, you know, because they love each other. I mean, they've known each other for a whole five minutes. And it, it just, uh, it's amazing the, what the world portrays as love. And hold your place here in First John. I want us to be reminded in First Corinthians chapter 13 of what God says love is. And he describes it, as charity, charity, we know this is the uh, the great chapter on love in First Corinthians chapter thirteen, and we're actually going to start in verse four. And charity, we know, is a love that gives. It's a love that gives. And I want you to think about this within our context of loving the brethren, loving other Christians. First Corinthians chapter thirteen and verse four says, "Charity suffereth long and is kind; charity envieth not." Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own. It is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth. That's a very big contrast to the world's picture of what love is. And we're going to see more about just how God demonstrated that sacrificial, selfless, true love to us in a little while. But what we're going to look at this morning is when we love the brethren, when we love believers, it gives evidence of three truths. 
The first one is that when you and I love other believers and we love other Christians, when we love our brothers and sisters in Christ, we give evidence that we are the children of God. We give evidence that we are the children of God. Notice with me, look at our text here in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 10. The scripture says, In this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. Now notice this, verse 10 says, In this the children of God are manifest, not they are made. We are not made children of God by works of righteousness. The scripture we know plainly says in Ephesians 2, for by works, um, uh, not by works of righteousness, which we have done. I think this is actually 2 Timothy or Titus. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. So the children of God, they're not made children of God by doing righteousness and loving the brethren. We don't get saved by what we do. I don't go to heaven because I'm a good person. It simply manifests or shows or reveals that we are children of God when we love the brethren. Now, there are two distinct families, and we've talked about this before. Pastor has shown us this and has talked about it at length. There are two families in this world, and only two. Now, I enjoy being a Brynick, and my wife loved and enjoyed the thought of being a Brynick so much that she married me. And... Uh, she was so excited to marry me because I'm an Ohio State fan, and she wanted to get all, out of all that Michigander stuff. And actually, somebody in here, I don't know if I love the brother as much as I did, because apparently we received some type of clothing apparel for our soon-to-be newborn that has a big fat M on it. <laughs> that person's going to get excommunicated this morning. No more of that, guys. <laughs> But uh, in this, the children of God, are, they're manifest, they're not made. You have Satan's family and God's family. We are all born naturally into Satan's family. He said, man, I, this church, you're talking about being children of Satan? Man, you guys are wild, you know? Now, hold your place here in First John, and we've got to look at this together. Ephesians chapter 2. And if you happen to not have a Bible with you this morning, uh, you will need one, and so there should be one in the pew rack in front of you. It's going to be real important for you to follow along with us. Ephesians chapter 2. Again, continuing and showing us there are, two, there are two families. The Bible says clearly there are children of God and then there are children of Satan. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1, the scripture says, And you hath he quickened, that were quickened, made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. Wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. So you have these children of disobedience, these children of wrath, that is... those. That's where we were born. We were born sinners. And the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so we know that there is Satan's family and we are all born into that family. So how are we born into God's family? Well, John chapter 3, Jesus Christ said to Nicodemus, ye must be born again. And like all of us, we sit there and think, I was there the first time and I don't really feel like doing that. You know, I'm not feeling like being born again. 
And Jesus, what did he say to him? That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. He was telling him, Nicodemus, you must be spiritually born again by the spirit of God. And we know that it comes through faith in the shed blood of Jesus Christ. That at the moment we realize that we are sinners. Our sin has separated us from God. That we are children of disobedience to God and children of, the Bible says, wrath. Because the penalty for our sin is an eternal separation from God forever in hell. But Jesus Christ loved us. The perfect sin, the Son of God, who died for us on the cross, was buried and rose again the third day. That as we place our faith and trust in Him, and Him alone for our salvation, we are born again, born into God's family. So us loving the brethren gives, it doesn't make us children of God. It just simply reveals that we have accepted Christ as our Savior. Isaiah 64, 6 says it this way about our righteousnesses. It says, but we all, we are all as an unclean thing and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And we all do fade away as a leaf and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Now, it's interesting, the example that uh, John gives us here through the inspiration of the Spirit, uh, an example of somebody that was in Satan's family. Notice this with me in verse 11. In this, the children of, uh, for this is the message that you have heard from the beginning that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of that wicked one and slew his brother and wherefore slew he him because his own works were evil and his brother's righteous. Now, this is interesting. Hold your place here and look with me at Genesis chapter four, Genesis chapter four. The Bible gives us an example of Cain, who was of that wicked one. Genesis chapter 4 and verse number 1. And Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. Again she bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance was fallen. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him." Now, this is very interesting. First John says that Cain was of that wicked one. He slew his brother. And why did he slay him? Because his own works were evil and his brother's righteous. Now, I got to ask you this morning, if I uh, gone out and picked a couple of tomatoes and a couple of green peppers and I brought them in here to Brother Ferrier and I gave them to him and said, Brother, we had this garden and wanted to give this this uh, kind of the, the special I got the biggest tomato for you. I've got the biggest green pepper. Do you like squash? Uh, we didn't plan any of that. So, <laughs> but if I brought of him the very best that I had, brother Tom would probably not look at me and go, "You wicked, vile sinner, bringing me green peppers and tomatoes." Now, most of us we don't think of bringing the, of the fruit of the ground as an evil thing, right? But here's the problem. We know from Hebrews, the Bible says that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. God had given them the way that they ought to sacrifice, how to sacrifice, what to sacrifice. And Abel followed the Lord. He followed God's plan. And Cain's, we say he simply didn't follow God. No, he, he disobeyed God. 
And what looked like good works to you and I, God said his own works were evil. And we have to understand, and Pastor preached on this as he was going through Genesis. I looked it up. It was uh, uh, as he was going through Genesis chapter 4, he preached on the way of Cain. And we've got to understand that when we see anyone worshiping God any other way than the way that he has set, we've got to realize and understand that is wickedness. The Bible describes that there's a way of Cain in the book of Jude. And what is that? Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So here's the deal. We may know people, or, or maybe you're here this morning, and you have tried to come to God with your own works. You've tried to go, come to God by maybe adding Jesus to your church attendance or adding Jesus to your church membership or to your baptism. And God says, that is evil. It's wicked. Because you're saying that G- the blood of Jesus Christ is not enough to pay for our sins. And we know and understand that the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. That Jesus Christ, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the Father. So coming to God any other way than through Jesus Christ, it's wicked. The Bible says it's evil. It's it's the way of Cain. It leads to destruction. And listen, I tell you that this morning, not to offend you, but to tell you the truth because I love you. And I want you to know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior if you don't know Him as your Savior this morning. So we have to understand that when we love the brethren, it simply manifests that we are the children of God. We haven't tried to come to God with our own works, with uh, with some type of monetary offering or church membership or baptism. We've come to God simply through the blood of Jesus Christ and faith and trust in Him. So when we love the brethren, we give evidence of the fact that we are the children of God. As children of God, how is the world going to respond to this? Well, look at verse number 13. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you. If the world hate you. We're not going to take the time to turn there this morning, but we know that Jesus in the, in the Gospel of John says, guys, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. If you follow me and, and you know me, what did they do to me? What are they going to do to me? And we know that they crucified the Lord of glory, the one who gave them the truth. And this world system is dead set against our Jesus. As Christians, there's no way to make Jesus palatable to the lost. The God of the Bible, the Lord Jesus Christ, Christianity too many times tries to make that palatable, makes it easy to swallow for this world. And we just have to tell them the truth in love. So he says, don't marvel, don't wonder. Um, that word marvel, it means it, it stops and causes you to gaze. You know, how many of you have ever been on the interstate? There's an accident and people almost get into an accident watching what's going on with the accident. They're marveling. They're going, I've never seen a car flipped over like that. <laughs> you know, and they, about get it, they marvel. And, and, and Jesus, when the world hates you, it shouldn't be like, I didn't think the world would ever hate my guts like that. You know, now I don't know why you would think hillbilly like that, but I'm just making sure that uh, that the eights over here are awake this morning. But yeah, they're following me. Um, but he says, don't marvel that the world hates you. Teenagers, when you go to school this year and you start inviting kids to church and the youth conferences and, and you start taking a stand for the Lord and kids see you at school with your Bible, don't marvel if they hate it. Now, here's the cool thing. We can read that sometimes and think, well, if the world hates me, I'm just going to go back. No, 
We need to love the world. Jesus Christ gave his life for the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You know what? You just need to keep loving your friends. and keep. The, Jesus says to pray for those that persecute you. You pray for those kids that laugh at you. Because you never know what God might do with them. Has God ever taken a persecutor and turned him into a preacher? Our pastor's been preaching about it this whole, you know, the last couple of weeks. You can do anything with a guy like Paul. You can do anything with a guy like Saul. Do anything with a young lady that will surrender her heart to him. Second Timothy 3.12 says, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. So number one, when we love the brethren, we give evidence that we are children of God. Number two, we give evidence that we have passed from death unto life. First uh, John chapter 3 in our text here, verse 14, We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Um, let me have uh, Josh and Tristan and Nathan. You guys come on up here. All right. Josh this morning is going to represent death. All right. So you come on over here. You're death. <laughs> He's a little too excited about that. <laughs> All right. And Tristan, you get to represent life. All right. So how would death look? All right. Well, we can't make you look that way this morning. So just look really scary. All right, good job. All right. <laughs> now, how would, how would, when you think about life, what, is, what does life remind you of? Butterflies and all those pictures in your room of flowers. And... I'm still bigger than you, but <laughs> for now, <laughs> I was looking at that picture again of him with Frankie and uh, Anthony. That is a great picture from camp. Uh, but you represent life, all right? So would you, if you were going to represent life, how might you look or what might your disposition be? Lively, all right, so, yay, all right, he's alive, all right. Now, Nathan here is one of us, all right, come on over here. You get to be somewhat normal. The Bible says that when he loves the brethren, it gives evidence that he has passed from death. All right, give death a big hug. We, and, 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 and here's Ephesians 2, right? You hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, who uh, you were children of disobedience, you were children of wrath, even as others. So he was hanging out with death. He and death, they were cool. They were like this. And then Jesus Christ <laughs> saves him. He places his faith and trust in Christ. And now he has passed from death unto life. But before you go to life, if he passes, if we are to pass from something, what does that indicate about our position in that something? That was a great question, wasn't it? <laughs> if you come from something, where do you have to be to come from it? You have to be in it. So here's the thing this morning. If you've not trusted Christ as your Savior, you abide in death. You say, well, man, I'm feeling good. I ran five miles this week, you know. Well, I don't think I've run five miles in my life, but actually I probably have with some of the basketball and that. But you have to realize this is where we start from death unto life. Give life a big hug. Yes. All right. So now he has come from death unto life. You know what you had when you were in death? Oh, check this out. Give death a big hug. All right. <laughs> Hold your place here in First John and look at uh, the Gospel of John. Put your arm around him. All right. 
Look at John chapter 3. John chapter 3. Tristan's glad he gets to be life this morning. Um, John chapter 3, and look at verse 16. John 3, 16. For, he like is in sync, are there? Verse 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Alright? So over here you have everlasting life. Over here you have perish. Well, that sounds fun. Uh, For God sent his, not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. So over here you have condemnation. Over here you have salvation, saved. Verse 18, He that believeth on Him is not condemned. But he that believeth not, so the, for the person has, has not accepted Christ, is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So for the person that has not accepted Christ, they are in death, they are going to perish, they are under condemnation. And here's the deal. Can you be condemned to die? Yeah, you could be on death row. You, that, that sentence could be passed. But damnation... When somebody actually goes to hell, that is the execution of that sentence. Up until that point, for a lost person, they have the opportunity to get out of that condemnation. If you're still alive, if you're still breathing this morning, and you don't know Christ as your Savior, you still have the opportunity to get out of condemnation. Now here's the deal, you're condemned already. We know from the Word of God, you don't have to wait and stand before God and say, oh, man, just put a little bit more good on that side and I'll be okay. You are condemned already. You are guilty. The sentence is passed. The execution of that sentence hasn't happened yet. So he condemned already. For the believer who has accepted Christ, death is no longer an issue. He has passed from death unto life. Now, here's the deal. As a believer... Can you go, well, I don't really like life anymore. I really liked death. Can you do that? If it was up to him, he might be able to, but you know what's so cool? Jesus Christ said, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. You don't get to go back over with death. Man, you realize... He's keeping you on his side. If you are saved, you will never perish. Man, praise the Lord for that. Thanks, guys. You can be seated. You guys need to stop acting up in church. Um, So when we love the brethren, it doesn't make us saved. It demonstrates that we are children of God. When, When we love other believers, how does the world treat other believers? If you go out today and you go tell 100 people, hey, I know Jesus Christ is my Savior. Are they going to go, oh, man, you're so cool. That's awesome. What's their reaction going to be? Out of 100 people, there's going to be a pretty high percentage that are like, okay, um, see ya. But as a believer, when somebody comes to you, and if I were to introduce you know, to Nick, I say, uh, Nick, this is my friend. If, you know, if Tristan was up here, I said, Tristan, he just asked Jesus Christ to save him, and he put his faith and trust in Christ, and he knows he's going to heaven. You know what Nick's response is? You have, through the Spirit of God, an innate love for that person because you say, oh, he's saved? And you can meet somebody 
from a, a different country. And when you find out that they're a true believer, there's a bond. There's a connection. Because they have the Spirit of God. They are in Christ. You have the Spirit of God. You're in Christ. And so it's natural for a believer to love other Christians. It gives evidence that we have passed from death unto life. Um, then, uh, verse, uh, let's go, verse 15. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. That really just goes without explanation. Verse 16. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. So, number one, when we love the brethren, it gives evidence that we're the children of God. Number two, when we love the brethren, it gives evidence that we have passed from death unto life. Every time you meet a new believer, there's just something in you. They go, oh man, I'm saved and you're saved. And you just, you know, he says, we know that we have passed from death into life. And then number three, we give evidence that we have perceived the love of God. We give evidence that we have perceived the love of God. Do you know, do you understand this morning how much God loves you? I mean, do you realize how much God loves you? And we've just gotten the taste. We've just gotten just a, a small understanding of the infinite love of a holy, of a perfect God. Who we're so sinful, we're so vile and wicked, but but God can take Christ's righteousness and put that on my account and see me as a as a perfect person. That's unbelievable to me. John here he says in verse sixteen, hereby perceive we the love of God because He laid down His life for us. Jesus Christ, the perfect, sinless Son of God laid down his life for you. And even before, think about all the things that he laid aside before he gave his life, but realize he gave it willingly. God chose to die for you on the cross. God chose to rise again from the dead for you. Nobody made him do that. And you know what's really cool? He had the power to do it. Jesus Christ said, I have power to lay down my life. I have power to take it again. That is a God that I want to serve. That is a God that can change my life. That is a God that can help me with my family. That is a God that can help me with my lost friends. That is a God who who I want to serve with my life that would have the power to give his life, to take it again, and do that for me willingly. We've We've never met anybody like that but Jesus Christ. We perceive that he loves us because he laid down his life for us. And here's the deal. Because Jesus Christ demonstrated that type of love to you and I, we understand it. Now, obviously, there are things about the infinite love of God that we don't yet comprehend, but if somebody laid down his life for me, I can now begin to show that to somebody else. You see, because we have perceived the love of God, we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. That, that self-sacrifice that Christ had, that, that love that Christ demonstrated. Um, it's amazing to me, you know, being involved in ministry, but then you go and, and you look at Jesus Christ and how many times he would have been tired, how many times he would have been hungry, and yet he's going and he's talking to somebody that had a need. He's going and sitting with a woman at the well. 
he's going and helping a guy that had blind eyes. And, and all, the, all the disciples are like, Lord, do you want us to just tell everybody to go home? He said, nope, get them all, sit them down. And Jesus, over and over again, when you and I would have been fatigued and tired, and, and there were times, obviously, the Scripture shows us that he was fatigued and tired, completely 100% man while being 100% God. In those times, over and over again, he demonstrated his love for people. And it shows me through the Holy Spirit of God, that's what it's going to take for me to lay down my life for the brethren. Um, let me give you a couple of things here. If a perfect, holy God can love me, a pathetic, wicked sinner, then I can love anyone that God sends my way. That we love Him because He first loved us. Ephesians 4 says it this way, And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. God's love teaches us to lay down our lives for the brethren. And we know what's so cool about being a part of this ministry is that so many of you, you have laid down your life. You've laid down your time, your talent, your treasure, the, the, the money, the, the abilities that you have, your personal time to be involved in somebody else's life in this ministry. Many of you in one-on-one discipleship, you're taking another person and one-on-one meeting with them every week, taking time out of your schedule, taking effort to know verses and to know the Word of God and to walk with the Lord and sit down and communicate and invest in somebody else's life. Many of you, you're involved in, in Awana and you just can't wait for it to kick back up here where you can come in and you can hear fourth graders and fifth graders and second graders reciting verses from the Bible. And, uh, you know, I think about the guys that help with our van ministry and just how faithful they are. It's just unbelievable that they would lay down their life to serve the Lord and love the brethren and praise God for the opportunity to be a part of a church like that. Then God's love not only teaches us to lay down our lives for the brethren, but it teaches us to lay down our worldly goods for a brother in need. Um, look at this, First uh, John chapter 3, look at verse 17. But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? Let me ask you this. How long would you have to have your bowels shut up for there to be problems? <laughs> kind of going with the flow of this service this morning, right? <laughs> Um, God says that when I see a brother that has a need and if I have the worldly good and I can meet that need, I, it, it, there's a potential that as believers we could shut up our bowels of compassion. <laughs> I guess you, it's one of those, we'll just keep moving here, all right? Um, <laughs> Lord, help me not to say anything stupid. But you get the idea. Um, and here's the deal. You guys know that, you know, actually t- this morning we got a call, uh, somebody needing money, th- th- this or that. And, and you know, uh, you know our, our pastor has said this before, we are not a charity, we are a church. If you want to come and, and hear the teaching and the preaching of God's word, we will help you in any way possible. Um, and that's, what it's, that's the context here. If any man see a brother that has a need, and God will bring that into your life. That's between you and God. If you have the opportunity to meet that need with worldly goods. You know, it's cool. That tells me it's not bad to have worldly goods. It's just wrong to love the worldly goods, right? To be in love with it. To, to shut up your bowels of compassion and say, Oh, I just, nah, I'm just not going to help that guy. 
so the context there is loving the brethren. It teaches us to lay down our worldly goods for a brother in need. And uh, then letter D, uh, you don't have this in front of you. God's love teaches us to love in deed and in truth. What is that? It's our actions. He says, man, you know, it's easy. It is so easy for me to say, Nick, man, it's great to see you this morning at church. I'm going to be praying for you and your whole family. God bless you guys. And I could have the whole lingo down. Man, I'm going to be praying for you that the Spirit of God would fall down on your life this week. And it'd be easy to love in word, in word and in tongue. To have whole lengthy conversations with Him about um, stuff that just doesn't really matter. But to, to it, through my actions, show them that I love them. Um, and this was such a challenge to me. And I, my heart this morning, um, just, just this just coming from me, guys. Uh, I'm sorry. I want to say I'm sorry to you guys. I was convicted that too many times on a Sunday I'm here and I give you guys the impression that I'm too busy. I don't ever want to be too busy to talk to one of you. And if you're a teenager in here, you guys know, man, my door is always open. The parents of teenagers, if you guys have something you want to talk to me about, ask me about something I did that was stupid that you want to rip me about, you come and talk to me. Just please come and talk to me. But I don't ever want, I'm not too busy to talk to you. And I, I, I need to be able to lay my life down for you guys. Lay my life down for my wife to spend time with her. Um, man, this part of this tore me up this week. Uh, because we have a great church. You guys are awesome. And you do so much for the Lord. And, and praise God for it. And is that's just a testimony to His grace this morning. Of what He's done with us. Unbelievable. Praise the Lord for it. So, God's love, it teaches us to lay down our lives. To lay down our goods. And to love in deed and in truth. Uh, look, with, look with me please in Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 1, the scripture says, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. So let me ask you this morning, have you given evidence that you are a child of God? Have you given evidence that you have passed from death unto life? Have you given evidence that you have perceived the love of God? Or is there some brother that you just can't forgive? Or is there some brother that you just, I just hate that guy. If we hate, the Bible says in 1 John, we abide in darkness, we abide in death. That's no place for a believer to be. That's no place for a believer to be. Let's have the same love, the same heart, the same mind, esteeming each better than themselves and looking into the things of others, caring for people, loving for people and praying for people. Lord, thank you so much for your grace and thank you for...